named our podcast the World Class Agency Podcast, not because we thought we were world class, but because we try and get closer to it every conversation that we have. What does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World Class Estate Agency is all about people. The good estate agents add, adds an incredible amount of value to the consumer. He's, he's looking after the customer properly, so being approachable, being accessible. And for me, every day's a learning day. What does being a world-class agent mean to you? Hello and welcome to today's episode of the World Class Agents Podcast. My name is Mark and I'm joined as ever by Mr. Sam Hunt. How are you, my friend? Hello, Mark. Uh, hello, listeners. I am very, very well. Thank you very much. Uh, I was saying to you off-air that we had our first skinned knee in our household today. Uh, so that was fun, dealing with that and putting like Betadine on it and everything. Uh, I felt like a real dad. It's quite exciting. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit uh, less serious than my dislocated shoulder, but we are continuing, and I am super excited about today's guest. Um, she's a lady Likewise. who who um, has, a, has a reputation in, in the industry. I've never met her, I've never spoken to her, but I am really excited um, to do so. So, shall we just dive straight in and introduce? Because I'm sure there's going to be lots of value, lots of golden nuggets in this episode. Mate, let's go. Today's guest has gone from plastering the walls of flats with her dads during her lunch hour when she was 11 years old to being the managing director of one of the best estate agencies in all of the UK. She's loved property and estate agency from her earliest years. You might say that's in her blood. And today she continues to drive better marketing, better service, better culture, and ultimately better experiences for both her team and their clients. We're thrilled to finally get the chance to pick her brain today. Vicky Babiris. MD of Hello. Location Location. Welcome to the World Class Agency Podcast. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Our pleasure. I've been practicing your name, but I wanted to nail it. Hopefully I have. <laughs> really well, dude. You did really well. Give a picture. I have got to follow that up in the outro. But anyway, welcome, Vicky. Thanks very much. We're really looking forward to having you on and ask, asking the first question that we ask every guest. So what does World Class Estate Agency look like to you? World-class agency to me uh, means people going above and beyond to help people move happy, um, to have great experiences, to care, uh, importantly, about the experience of everybody involved, uh, whether that's on the rental side with residents and landlords, buyers and sellers, just ensuring that everybody moves happy. What does um, moving happy look like? Moving happy looks like uh, having a set of people, whether, again, regardless of where on the spectrum they are in their moving journey, that they just simply enjoy the process because they're well supported. They're, you know, given the best possible advice during the, the journey that they're on. They're heard and listened to um, and understood so that you can go about ensuring that you're matching them effectively. Um, rather than just bombarding them with listings that may be of interest to them because they're in the same price bracket of which their budget is. Um, there's a lot more to agency and I think ensuring people are heard um, and you go above and beyond to provide a world-class service, which is one of our core values, ensures people have a great experience. And I think that's super important. If we're going to change the stigma that agents have in our industry, then um, obviously doing it in that manner will ensure that people remember you. Um, which is quite crucial because I think there's a huge percentage of people that don't even remember the agent of which they bought through. Um, and that just says a lot about the lack of experience that people have. And I think experience is crucial. Listening is such a key part of the job and yet something that I think we probably don't practice enough. So how do you and your team ensure that you are hearing what your clients are saying and not just waiting to speak? I like the way you put that. I think that's the, the key bit there. I think asking great questions is the key. I, th I think salespeople assume that they need to do all of the talking and bombard people with, you know, facts or stats or whatever. And it's like, actually, that's not something that a mind can remember. Uh, storytelling, asking questions, seeking first to understand, I think is absolutely key. So it's all done through great questions. Um, the registration process should be a process in which you speak 20% of the time and you're asking really solid questions and 
keep going to understand the motivation for that person's move and what the most important aspect of the sale is for them. Um, and you'll continue to yeah extract the right kind of information from people and then firmly understand what their wants and needs are. The the talking 20% of the time, do you think that goes the same for valuations? Absolutely. Absolutely. It should. And look, don't get me wrong, and you'll probably realise this podcast, I like to talk a lot. And so it's been a, a journey for me to ensure that I've got, you know, two ears, one mouth um, and really train myself and my team on the questioning front to ensure that that isn't happening. Now, I'm not to say, look, guys, if you've got an evaluation, and you speak 30 percent of the time you have failed. Like that's that's not the case at all. Sometimes you might be dealing with an individual that continuously asks you questions and it's your job to ask really really well um, and talk as much as necessary um, but if you make a conscious effort to ensure that you're asking great questions and seeking to understand and they're speaking more than you are then they'll walk away feeling really heard um, and you know in life that's not something that happens very often but it's appreciated when it is mm. I am um... I saw this like reel on Instagram this morning uh, and it was all about winning hearts and minds and like progress or success, whatever you want to call it, is about winning hearts and minds and in that order. And he's like, at the center of a heart is an ear. So all you need to do if you want to win someone over, you know, win business, get a date, make a friend is listen because so many yeah. people don't. Um, and I'm glad that you like talking because if you didn't, this would be a really weird podcast because uh, yeah. everybody <laughs> listening would have nothing to listen to. So um, I think that, that all of those are really good points. And I think you're exactly right that too often do we think that listening is about what the other people say and it is right but actually how do you listen better you ask great questions so can i ask you hopefully a great question right you your team is registering a, a new buyer today or they've just taken a evaluation inquiry and they're on the phone with somebody what's an example of a great question that could immediately have them thinking oh wow that was different to the other agent i called who just sort of asked me my name and my address and when i want to move I think I touched on it just earlier. One that I really enjoy asking um, is what's the most important aspect of the sale for you? Because ultimately that, for me, that will determine the strategy that I propose um, yeah. on my team. So if it's, for example, speed, why is that? Uh, taking on uh, Miss Amy Shields' famous question, why? Why is speed important? And then it's like, well, I'm pregnant. I'm actually meant to be giving birth in a month's time. Um, and I really want to be out of here quite quickly thereafter. I don't want a newborn with, you know, limited space, for example, or whatever that reason may be. If it's speed, that's one angle. That's one, you know, different strategy. Oh, the fee I pay. Well, why is that? Mm. Well, you know, and it's like, is that more important to you than, you know, the value, the price that you achieve? And they're like, uh, it's like, you know, let's talk about this. Let's have an open conversation. Because often people don't know themselves, really, especially entering this. Most people, I mean, they seem to be stuck for a really long time, right? But when you try and understand, like, why is that important to you? Like, how you arrived, uh, arrived at that conclusion? And is it more important than the service you're provided with, the marketing that you get, the price that you achieve? You very quickly help them realize that actually no that's not what's most important to them um mm. and then you can dig a little bit deeper and get their true uh, motivations or priorities um i think that's a good one i i think that is a great question actually and and there's another question that you asked there about fee and, and i'm going to ask you a question about the the future in a second because i think it, um you've got some unique experience that will hopefully help the listeners but Saying to somebody, if they say fee's really important or you're more expensive than someone else, I'm going to go with them. And then putting it back to them, is the fee you pay more important than the price you achieve? I think that that's a question that will stop some people in their tracks, which means it's a great question, right? Because they finally heard you and and it's a way of showing, well, actually, everything else that we've talked about is, is all about getting you the best price. And that's kind of why we charge what we charge because we can't do what we do without it. We don't have the cool people. We don't have this marketing plan. We don't employ this strategy. You don't get that support. You know, you don't get given the best advice wherever you are in your journey. You won't be heard. All your points earlier about moving happy doesn't happen without yeah. the correct fee, right? Uh, so I, I love that. Um, let's talk about the future for a little bit, but we'll, we'll go back to the past, if that makes sense. So you, I think, started in agency in 2006. Hopefully I've got that right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not that long ago. Nah. Right. Um, and I remember when I first came to England, I, I look back at like 
everyone was telling me in 2015 it was a really slow time and it was literally the busiest market I'd ever worked in in my entire life because I'd come from like a big country town. And I was trying to understand what busy looked like to them. And it was like that 06, 07 market was a bit similar to what we've had the last two years, but probably not as crazy, I would imagine. And now we're starting to see a bit of a slowdown, um, even though it's still, I think, quite a buoyant market if agents are having those sort of courageous conversations. So how did you go from boom to not bust, but boom to this is different uh, through the GFC uh, and the challenges that presented and how important and like formative was that time for you then when you're looking forward at the sort of the next 12 months or the next six months? Um, well, there's definitely some really good lessons learned during that time. And it did feel like boom to, to bust, if I'm honest. We were a brand mm. new business. So, you know, we'd opened up uh, that branch in 2006 and it was like a license to print money. It was like, wow, this is going really well. Mm. This is amazing. I thought I made woman. Um, and then 2008 came out and we were on our knees. Um, we didn't do lettings at the time. So as we opened, sales was booming. Um, I think we had the highest level of transactions in the country anyway, at a time like that than we've experienced ever since. Um, and the, the lessons were quite interesting. Um, and they're very, very relevant today. It was obvious that because of the inbound business that we were used to dealing with, um, when that fell off a cliff, it was like, right, the only option available to you now is to increase productivity exponentially. Hmm. Um, so you had to you know, do everything to ensure that your outbound level of business was extraordinarily high. You were having the right level of conversations and the right conversations with people. But if you weren't pushing the boundaries on how many people you were trying to communicate with, um, and that wasn't trying to convince people to sell or convince people to buy, right? It was just ensuring that you are understanding where they're at in their journey, where their thought process is, when they're going to be re-entering the market or certainly hoping or considering to then understanding who needs to move. Every market, um, there are people that still absolutely need to move um, and some for good reasons and some for absolutely not, you know. Um, we know what the biggest driving forces of our marketplace is and it's identifying who those people were. And so ensuring you're, you know, working closely with those individuals for as long as you needed to until they were in a position to move. Um, so I think it boiled down to that. Um, and you had to do a lot more. Now, given we were a brand new business, there were things that we started doing that, you know, today I look back on and think, man, that that made us, you know. Um, one thing that even back then and even at that young age, I understood that I didn't want to be the agent that just cut fee and negotiated on that, like didn't make sense to me. I was like, guys, this is business. Like, and I was mm. a child. I was like, I don't get it. Like, what are you basing that on? What are you going to compromise? Like, how have you arrived at that percentage in the first place? Mm. Um, but anyway, for me, it was like, okay, how can I add more value and command that fee for the homes that I am going to sell? I better be selling them for a higher fee than the than most. Now I did some crazy stuff. My, my flat was very often empty in terms of shelves would be stripped. I'd be staging homes. Um, I'd be hanging outside of windows and cleaning them because the bloody window cleaner didn't turn up when I said I'd sort that out as part of the fee, hiring gardeners you know putting things in storage like just doing whatever it could I could so I'd go on evaluation identify that your garden's an absolute mess um and vacant homes don't photograph as well so how about we get you staged get in a gardener we do what we can and I'm going to charge you the one and a half that I was charging back then obviously yeah, there's a lot more value than the agent that was turning up and saying oh yeah nice I reckon this much in one percent um and you know people were going for it um that made a huge difference and their their memories that I, I definitely hold very dear and do you think it's a similar um ethos that that looking forward now are you going to go back to that now add more value to command that higher fee now making sure you're identifying the people who must move rather than just everybody else and I, I love that line we're going to talk more about this when it's just Mark and I later but you said something there of like make sure you're outbound communication is extraordinarily high push the boundaries of the number of people that you try and communicate with I love that mm -hmm. like that is like I'm frothing on that because <laughs> that is that is real estate 101 right you're you're paid to communicate with people ask better questions figure out where they are on their journey and give them what they need if they don't need anything call them again in six months time right and they're not where mm -hmm. your focus needs to be now so is that is your strategy so if you're sitting in a in a meeting with everyone at location location today are you saying Let's keep our 
outbound calls extraordinarily high. Let's find the people who need to move. Let's serve them. Coming back to your world-class agency points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we had a really good managers meeting uh, yesterday. So we meet every Monday with, with the leaders within our team. Um, and the topic of increasing productivity um, has been something that we've been discussing regularly now for, for going back months. I mean, obviously, we could see the tide turning on us. Um, and so we've and we also need to consider guys within this as well is the people within our team that haven't experienced these things mm. now i know leaders within my business have experienced a lot within our team you know yesterday we were celebrating uh peter may our sales director's 10-year anniversary um and that was really special so big up peter may he's absolutely incredible at what he does now the seniors like peter and anna have experienced these markets with us um but the people within our teams, not many of them have. Mm. Um, and especially for the new guys that, have, you know, for the last couple of years have been bombarded with inbound business. The, the phones did not stop. The inbound volume of leads was absolutely insane. I've never seen anything like it. And I, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have experienced more of the same. So what are you going to do now that it's dropped? What are you going to do now that it's changed? All right. You can just sit there and wait for the phone to ring and put out a few phone calls yourself and do, you know, a low level of outbound business, or you can really push the boundaries and going mm. back to, to what you're asking as well, am I going to do more of the same? Absolutely. Now, these days, do I need to hang out of a window of a two-store <laughs> home? To just for fun. Clean those windows. <laughs> yeah, just for fun. I mean, listen, don't pass me. Um, I'm whatever it takes, but um no there's different things that we can do now to add a considerable amount of value right the, the game's moved on loads so whether it's looking at the marketing package and what's included within our fee um and how we can push the boundaries on that you know the long form uh youtube video property tools are doing really really well now we want to change tact and ensure that whilst we've got inspirational content going out it's also um educational um so we're helping clients during the process and, and getting that kind of stuff out but how else can we add value to the marketing of their home and cast the widest possible net there's tech out there that will help you increase uh, uh the size of the audience that sees the home and includes the passive market across social media platforms with you know machine learning algorithms and so on and so forth that will ensure that that property is seen by a much much bigger audience than simply if you just whack it on some of the portals mm. and that's like okay that's cool property tours you know things like spoke cct um they're great that increases the audience size what else right what else is going to make the difference there um and it's about packaging that up and offering it to someone and ensuring it's above and beyond what your competitors can do and then also looking at what internal services do you provide? Like, you know, is it up to your agents to progress a deal or do you outsource it? Or do you have an inbound sales progressor um, that goes above and beyond to ensure that they communicate up and down the chain, other agents, other solicitors, whatever it takes to push the deal along? Or are you just going to sit there and let it get done when it does and be in the hands of the solicitors so it's about looking at all of the options available to you and how you can push the boundaries to ensure that you're offering more mm. um, and then demonstrate that demonstrate that to the client so that you can command the higher fee because you know if, i know this very common line at the moment but now more than ever it's crucial so if your transaction volumes drop by i don't know a quarter a third um and you're at a low fee well sim simple math guys we know if you add another couple of percentage points on that you're going to be more profitable right um and this is business and i think people have lost that a little bit with the fee battle it's you know the obvious and easy thing to do um one thing that i'm uh, always walking around the office talking about and especially during our mindset uh training sessions that we we conduct weekly is Hard decisions, easy life. Easy decisions, hard oh, life. Gosh. Now, the easy thing to do is just neg on that fee, right? Um, the hard thing to do is add more value, demonstrate well, and walk away from the individual that isn't willing to pay it. You'd be shocked at the things that we've walked away from, whether they're not the right fit for us as a developer or as a seller, or whether they're not willing to pay the kind of fee that our service commands we will walk away um, and more often than not and one thing that is going to be really common moving forward which tailed off during busy time 
back in 2015, when you mentioned that there, Sam, um, the number of the percentage of people in my patch anyway that ended up selling with a second agent was at 60%, probably mm. around 60%. Um, that windled all the way down to the best part of, uh, there's been feedback around 5%, 7%, 9%. That's going to climb back up considerably. So walk away first time round, but keep in touch, right? How are you getting on? Are mm. the offers flooding? What's the feedback being? Blah, blah, blah. Communicate with them more than their agent will. And I assure you, you'll get it. You'll get it back. Um, so yeah, that that would be my best advice on that front. And moving forward, those practices are going to make all of the difference. I love how you started that point, Vicky, and um, talking about your people and the awareness of the people within your business who perhaps haven't haven't been through this market. And as we know, it's often the people who can make or break your agency. You guys at Location Location have got a very good reputation for treating people well, well, renowned for that really good recruitment style. I'm sure there's a lot of agency owners listening who have used your favourite swear word question in their, their interview process. That seems to be quite famous. But the, some of those business owners that are listening today, can you talk us through some of your recruitment processes and not just recruitment, but also retention processes and how you think that you guys have got it right and some things that you do, if you're happy to share? Yeah, of course. Um, one thing that I'm um, quietly obsessed with is culture and culture in all of its forms. Um, and I knew from the experiences that I had in my early years of, of agency and, uh, and other working roles that I did before I entered the space that, you know, leadership was could be a bit brutal. Um, and it's very important to understand how you make people feel, first and foremost. Um, I think that isn't considered often enough and we always talk about or I often hear people talk about you know people won't remember what you said but they'll remember how you made them feel we have to be conscious of the impact that we have on others continuously so when it comes to the recruitment process um, we like to keep it initially fun and light-hearted in order to ensure um, that we really get to know the individual not the interviewee that turns up and is <laughs> trying to sort of you know give off this kind of I don't know level of professionalism or what they think we want to see but first you have to determine what are you looking to hire based on so for us we're a company that has a set of core values that we live and breathe as a business literally derives our decision making leads our decision making we know that what we're after is people that are a cultural fit that have the right attitude the right mindset um, and are willing to learn listen and grow now we uh, hope always to be a very high performing team so we know that that is absolutely not for everybody so we're, we're difficult in the sense that we have very high standards we look for absolute rock stars or unicorns right and few exist so it's not easy to get position within our business but we'd prefer it that way so firstly, having the understanding of what it is that we're actually looking to hire based on. I don't care for how many you've been in the industry, unless it's necessary and I need a, an established PM, property manager, to, to help us out. That wouldn't be helpful. Um, so asking, you know, relatively, say fun, but questions that are going to get people um, out of their comfort zone, shake them up a little bit and get the genuine individual across is really, really key to us. Um, and taking it from your highs to uh, almost a question that will get them really thinking, sit back in their seat and go, oh, I wasn't expecting that. So tell me about a time where you felt underappreciated is one that people always sit back and go, oh, wow. Um, OK. Uh, and it's really nice to hear when, you know, how they felt, what they did about it and so on and so forth. Um, and obviously, we've got the famous questions like, what's your favourite swear word? Now, look. You know, am I not going to hire you because you don't like swearing? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but at the same time, it's what it does is is shake someone out of their skin and and awakens them. Actually, it actually quite literally awakens their prefrontal cortex and gets them back in the room, and you find the true individual in front of you rather than the person that they're trying to portray they are. Um, so that's phase one of the interview. If they make it to phase two before they uh, attend um, an in-person interview, and that's and in order to get um, to phase one, we need to do a really good video that sparks our interest in you too. 
So video, then interview one, interview two, we'll do a personality profile on them to understand a bit more about them, what they're like, how they learn specifically here, guys, because everybody learns differently. Um, and great personality profiles will help help you understand like you can be like this with them but the minute you're like this with them you might see the wrong side of them and so on and so forth so understanding an individual on a deeper level is quite important um and then phase three will be uh with the seniors of that department um and then phase four is a trial day so before you can get your formal kind of job offer so to speak uh, and contract we'll want you in for a trial to see how you get on and gel with the rest of the team and make sure that they're happy with our decision to hire them as well i think just just listening to all of that that is the reason why you have people in your business for 10 plus years uh who are lauded by their colleagues you know by their bosses and probably by their clients or absolutely by their clients as well versus i've got a good feeling about this person let's hire them you know so there is a science behind the art i think at the end of the day but there's a bit of an art to it as well by the sounds of, you know, there was a smile on your face from listening while, while Vicky was talking through that process because clearly it's been refined, but also when they're the right people, it's probably a really enjoyable process for you guys as well. Sure. Yeah, totally enjoy it. Can I, can I ask... Whole... Sorry, Vicky, okay, I didn't mean to, to interrupt. Can I ask then on that? So that you said that you're looking for the rock stars and it's very hard to get it, get into your business. How are you ensuring that you get the level of applicants so that when you go through that process, you've got somebody left? Or is it a case that you're constantly recruiting so you don't need people? You've got people when you don't need them? That's a really good point. Um, we do always aim to always be recruiting. So the recruiters that we do work with know if you find a rock star that, you know, suited to us, um, you know, geographically works really, really well. I want to know about them. Um, that's for sure. Um, but I think I'm pushing it in terms of ensuring, like if you look at our website and our social media, one thing that's really, really prominent is our push on our people, you know, what it's like to work within our business and our team and so on and so forth. Things that aren't relevant uh, so much so to Joe Public apart from, hey, that looks like a really good business that I'd want to work with. Um, it just shows that we're always on the hunt. We've got the Rockstar quiz on our website. I actually had some a really funny response to, to that quiz uh, come through last night. So I look forward to speaking to that individual and requesting their CV and stuff. Um, but I think you've got to always be on the lookout for good people and not just when you need them. Now, at a time like this, would I uh, advocate sort of overstaffing? yourself absolutely not um but great people are absolutely necessary to ensuring that things go well for you and you're never in a difficult position um but i think more importantly is ensuring that you're positioning people in the right place within your business so mm. one of our um uh, one of our teammates adam who came to us um, because he lived locally uh, and after a year of moving into the area desperately wanting to work within our business um, so he did some courses um, and uh, came to us and said, I want to be a lettings negotiator. I've done this course and this course all off my own back, but I want to work within your business. I don't want to work for anybody else. Right. And I'm going through his, which can I say was the most well-designed CV I've ever cast my eyes on. And this was like 380 GSM as well. Like it was like, it was like card, like it was super impressive. And then he gave me a report, which was a teardown of our old website and things that he thought we could improve on. And going through his CV, I'm like, you've got a degree in videography and so on and so forth. You can see he was a creative chap. Um, and he was like, yeah, but I just want to work here. And I thought I'd be best positioned for lettings. And we ended up hiring him as a videographer and an editor within our marketing team, even though we absolutely didn't need that at the time. <laughs> because one, we knew that we were growing. and We wanted to position ourselves as well as we could. Um, and yeah, it was about a year or two earlier than it should be, but he is one of the best rock stars within our business. He's an absolute asset to us. He's not going anywhere because I won't let him, hmm. um, you know, and at that point I'm sure he has skin in the game too. So it's if you're doing it when you don't absolutely need to and you're not desperate, you're better positioned to make the right moves, right? So if you consider it as a chessboard, me moving him into the position that I did, 
um, at a time where we absolutely didn't need it turned out to be one of the best decisions we've made in a very long time. So yeah, get ahead of it rather than do it when it's an absolute necessity and you're desperate. That's when you make the wrong decisions, hire the wrong people. And that's a flipping expensive mistake. Ain't it just. I think actually that that is um, a sign of sort of overarching leadership where you've got a vision for what the future looks like and you jump at opportunities before of that, right? You've got to have a, a certain risk appetite, I think, to actively sort of lead people. And that, that's actually where I sort of thought it'd be a really good place to to um, wrap our, our conversation today is around leadership because I think before we sort of hit record, and started doing this mildly more professionally than we were doing beforehand, Mark and I were sort of giggling to ourselves because we we're really excited to have a chat with you and to try and ask you questions that hopefully you've not answered before in, in interviews or on podcasts or on videos and stuff like that so that everyone gets an opportunity to sort of hear more from you because you are held in, in a high regard. So I'm really keen to understand a little bit more about um, your leadership style, right? Um, because I think you, you're obviously a leader now in, in, in your agency, but but also in the industry. So from 2006 to November 2022, what have you learned about leadership over the years and how would you describe your leadership style? Um, uh, I have focused on it heavily um, because initially, and I have shared this before, um, but initially I, I, I wouldn't say I was the best leader at all. I think innately I had a born, you know, leader within me I think that's that's something that's always sort of come up growing up as a kid like gosh she's definitely a leader um she's a terror but definitely a leader um but I got it wrong because the examples that were set for me early on um weren't great and I thought you know leadership was brutal and used to be you know uh, hard and strong and and I realized very quickly that that didn't work because I was very in tune with how I was making others feel um, and how bad leadership made me feel. So I have, and I'll, I think I'll forever continue to be on the journey of learning about great leadership stuff. Um, so it ha has been learning and understanding how great leaders show up. But I'd say my style at the um, at the moment and has grown into very much so leading from the back, just in case anyone falls back. Right. Um, I think from the front, you can't see what the fuck is going on behind you. Um, and I tried that for a long time. And don't get me wrong, I will set a great example. Um, I will be on those phones. I'll pound it. I'll I'll, I'll show you how it's done. Um, and I'll coach on the job. I think that's really important. Coaching on the job and ensuring that you're listening to conversations that are happening, you're watching the experiences within the team, and you're having a great conversation. And you start by. Um, and a note from Peter Knight that's always stuck with me, you know, what went well and even better if, and then I, you know, would you like a suggestion from me, right? So not imposing mm -hmm. things on people, but actually getting, you know, the buy-in to have a decent conversation around, hey, I think you could have done this better if. Um, I think that's super, super important. So, you know, being totally honest, I'll mix it up from leading from the front, being side by side and making sure I've got the back. Um, and ensuring that my team are doing the absolute same. But it's super important to understand what our individuals' why is. You know, why are they doing this? What do they want? And you've got to be open and honest enough to understand that not everyone's going to be on the team forever. And that's okay. You know, I think one thing that's really common of leaders and individuals of, you know, the personality profile, let's say, of entrepreneurs and leaders is that one common trait that we all have that isn't spoken about really often is we're really scared of um not being done over taking advantage of that's the right way to put it we're, we're quite fearful of being taken advantage of and we have to watch out for that for ourselves um because actually that can lead to poor decision making and poor leadership because we're not making it about the individuals no one when it's your business or the leader of that team for example you shouldn't expect people to work harder than you Right. One thing that became really apparent as I was rising through the ranks is don't get easier. <laughs> right. mm. You know, it, it gets harder. And rightly so. I think people assume that, oh, when I'm a manager, it'll be easy and I'll just tell other people what to do. <laughs> um, no, man, not cool. Absolutely Why do you think not. people imagine that? Because it's true, right? It is true, isn't it? They do. Yeah. They have that natural assumption. Um, I don't know if it's an example of other leaders that have set. Like if I did the workload that my old manager did, 
I wouldn't have replaced him. You know, mm. I replaced him. So I outworked him. I kind of went above and beyond. I led the team. You know, he was the kind of leader that was like, right, I'll come in at half 10, make sure the coffee's on my table um, and I'll go home for lunch and then I might come back. And it was like, what, dude, what? <laughs> um, so he, he was one that obviously assumed that that was okay and did it. Mm. Um, and I always say those who don't listen must feel. Ill. And he, he felt it. Because... Well, and, uh, I think we lost you there um, for a bit, Vicky. I don't Sorry know that. why that's the Okay, my back. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think for me, the most important aspect. There we go. Is I don't know why it's the case. I don't understand why we naturally assume this. But I remember being young and probably thinking exactly the same thing. But then realizing very quickly that is absolutely not how it works. Mm. Um, so we have to stop um, expecting people within our teams to do more than us. Um, some will, you know. Some may very well, um, and and they'll go far. Um, but most won't. But understanding why is they're doing it, what's important to them, where do they get their kicks from, what are they passionate about, and taking an interest in it, whether it's relevant to your business or not, is a sign for me of great leadership, really understanding the motivation of your people. Um, because you can't expect everybody to be motivated every day. If we're quite frank here, guys, motivation's bullshit. You've got to do the shit you've got to do, whether you want to or not, whether you feel like it or not. And that, for me, makes all of the difference. And when your team can see that you're willing to do more of the same, you know, they're typically more inclined to push the boundaries themselves. If they understand and have the, a great mindset, and that's something that you can help train and uh, and lead on, they'll understand that they have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Hmm. You're never, it's very rare that you wake up feeling like you want to do the hard stuff, you know, yeah. um, got to do it anyway. That's the thing. Discipline over motivation pretty much ensures whatever it is that you want to happen happens. Um, and I think mm -hmm. everything that you just uh, sort of beautifully articulated there about your people comes back to where we started this conversation earlier, right? So if world-class agency to you is about going above and beyond to help people move happy, then leadership is about going above and beyond to help people work happy, right? And it sounds like your style over time, hopefully I didn't bastardize where we started with you and, and take those words okay. out. But I think you're right. I don't think a lot of people start off as good leaders and the ones that end up being good leaders are self-aware enough to be like, oh, man, I've been a bit shit today. Um, and I got to sort of figure this out. So Mark's desperately waving his hand in the air to say something. So I'm going to be quiet and hand over to him. It's, it's, yeah, I was really worried Sam was going to wrap up before I got a chance to, to, ask, to ask this, Mickey. So you said initially you weren't a very good leader, but you went and worked on it. So if I'm listening to this and thinking, well, where can I go and work on myself to be a better leader? Have you got any suggestions on that before we do let you go? Uh, yeah, um, there are 101 good books, um, courses, videos, podcasts out there that, that you can listen to. And I think I'd, I'd for sure start to find the kind of individuals that are out there that can help that you vibe with. Right. Um, when I think leadership, Simon Sinek, for example, springs to mind straight away. Um, what great individual on, you know, start with why, how to find your why. Um, and there are plenty of others out there. Um, and if you're not a great reader, listen. If you can't be bothered to listen for, you know, seven, eight or 12 hours, a uh, great app called Blinkist, you know, with a monthly subscription, 15 minute summary of a book. It's all of those small little aha moments that you implement, which is key. Mm. It doesn't get talked off that often enough right so with all of this stuff it's about implementation and execution to know and not to do is not to know so it's pointless to taking this information and not do something about it action right so get the, the the bits of advice the snippets look at how to make things fun create competitions you know create your culture deck because values that you can't uh, identify with behaviors and values that don't have behaviors will never be your culture so it's all well and good having, you know, words plastered on a wall, but ultimately you need to understand what behaviours 
associate with those values how do you see those showing up and so on and so forth so I think start the journey of understanding that for yourself um learn like you're going to live forever um and make that an endless habit for yourself and you'll constantly find those little aha moments and those drops of those nuggets gold giving uh you as a leader the business that you have and the team within it I think learn like you're going to live forever uh that's going on my wall and there are a few people i know that i get that, that listen to this show that like love their quotes and i reckon it'll be going on their walls as well uh i said to you we'd have you out of here by 8 30 it's now 8 45 but this has been a phenomenal conversation vicky thank you so much for rocking up at eight o'clock in the morning from a hotel room looking with the skylight beaming down on you when you've got a big day ahead of you and, and giving us all of that value as well. I know from, from Mark and I and from everybody listening, um, we are really grateful for your time and for the, you asked if we take notes and how do we wrap up everything? Well, both of us have been furiously dot pointing out everything that we've spoken about and we're going to struggle to find the three or four that we're actually going a little bit deeper on. So thank you so much. And hopefully we'll see you back on the show sometime soon. I look forward to it guys. Thank you very much. It's been great. Take care. A massive thank you once again to Vicky Baberis for joining us from Location Location today. Um, so we said we were excited about um, speaking to Vicky today. She did not disappoint. I feel like we could have gone on for a couple of hours. I actually have not had uh, a property academy meeting. We may, we, may have, we may have done so because there was so much value there. And you can just see, you know, success leaves clues, right? It does. And I think uh, another thank you to Vicky for giving us that time. You know, she's away from home, has a big day ahead of us and sort of sat down with us and just delivered for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and it was, it was, it was one of those conversations where we were sort of debating before we sort of resume recording about what points do we go over? And there's been, <laughs> I reckon probably five or six of these sort of episodes every year out of 50 that we say, just push pause hit rewind for 40 minutes and, and go and listen to it again, because there is going to be value that you will extract from a conversation like that each and every time you listen to it. And particularly now where people are sort of searching for a few answers in their business, they are in that conversation, right? So if we, if we start at what does world-class agency look like to Vicky, right? Well, it's going above and beyond to help people move happy, right? It's making sure that everyone they deal with in their business enjoys the process of working with them, that they feel well supported, mm -hmm. that they're given the best advice wherever they are in their journey, which is great, right? Because you're effectively giving yourself permission to give somebody great advice who's not moving for 10 years, but you're communicating with them and you're giving yourself every opportunity to not just build a relationship with that person, but to get great referral business from that person as well you know i think th the whole ethos was and it came, came back to the staffing stuff as well right mm -hmm. is, is you've got to give everybody an experience that is far like overwhelmingly more positive than they would have expected from you you do that your success your life takes care of itself yeah actually as you say you say that it's, it's something i think that that Vicky specifically said, but actually in a lot of her answers, it comes through mm. how important the people are, whether that's the clients, whether that's part, part, part of her team. She talked about um, knowing, being very aware of how you make people feel. And she also talked about the power and the importance of listening. I think that's something that you know can be lost on us, but she showed throughout the, the conversation, you know, how much she does listen to people around her team clients and how much she values how they actually feel she mentioned and we will go on to talk about leadership in, in a short while but she mentioned that she had perhaps some bad experiences of leadership in her early days and i wonder how much they have shaped her leadership style and the culture in particular within location location because you can you can see just from speaking to her for 45 minutes how important people are, how important she values, you know, how she makes people feel, how they as a business make people feel. And I think, you know, there's probably not very many agencies in the country, possibly even the world, that put that sort of importance on, on you know, feeling. And yet we talk about empathy as, a, as an industry an awful lot, but I'm not sure we quite demonstrate it quite as well as Vicky did today. Yeah, 
uh, absolutely bang on. Um, and it, like that comment or that mindset of listening, like as you say, flow through everything that we talked about. You know, you want to command high fees, listen to people a little bit more. You want to win hearts and minds, listen to people a little bit more. You want to register people better, listen to people anymore. You want to know what's the most important aspect of the sale for you. What a great question, right? Why are fees more important to you than result? Listen to people more, right? Um, my So here's something about listening, but it's how you can take action to listen to more people. My favorite part about that whole conversation, I think, Everyone's going to know what this is coming, right? But it was all about there's a lot of agents today and and if you're listening to this within from November the 8th uh, until the next six months on, count today is roughly the same sort of day, who are running around like headless chickens thinking the, the sky is falling in because there's higher interest rates, people are freaking out. They're not making 5 and 10% above asking price offers anymore. And it's kind of like they forgot what a what a real market feels like. Yeah, yeah. And and Vicky makes a great point of the the challenges that were presented back in the last time the market uh, you know had a proper dip, which is the global financial crisis, two thousand eight, two thousand nine. The lessons that they learnt now and how they're already applying it in their business, so they all understand they're going to be more than just fine. They're going to continue to thrive. They'll probably have a better year next year than they did this year. And, and those were. Keep your outbound prospecting, your outbound activity, your outbound communication, her words, extraordinarily high, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm embarrassed that for two and a half years in this show, I've been talking about speak to 20 people a day and life takes care of itself. Now, that may be 20 times more than some people are doing who are listening to this show, but I don't reckon if I was to say talk 20 people a day to Vicky, she'd be like, it's not really extraordinarily high. Yeah. Is it, Sam? I don't know how I'd go working there, right? People <laughs> be like, what? What a lazy prick! He's only talking to twenty people every day, right? And and the other the other point, which and again, I love this language, and I think it's really important that everybody just scribbles this down now, right? Is push the boundaries of the number of people you're trying to communicate with, mm -hmm. right? For me, that means I've got to find twenty one people to talk to as this day goes on, right? I can count you and Vicky as my two, so I've got nineteen more to go. So you've got to push the boundaries of the number of people that you're trying to communicate with now. For me, communication is two-way street. So an email, a text message, a WhatsApp, unless there's a reply, it doesn't count as communication, mm -hmm. right? So who can you communicate with today that you can help them enjoy that process, that can, they can feel well-supported, that you can give them some advice wherever they are in their journey, they can feel heard, right? They can have a positive experience overwhelmingly above what they expected from you. The world-class agency experience coupled with some really extraordinarily high disciplined prospecting. Again, come back to my early point, life takes care of itself. You're going to mm. have no worries. You know, Kuna Matata. Yeah, and it was really interesting when we talked about the previous um, challenging market, a really challenging market of, of, of seminar media. She talked about, you know, we talked about it last week, I think it was, and we've talked about it previously in regards to the importance of fees, but not mm. just increase your fees. And Vicky talked about you know, how she proactively added more value. And I think that's really important. If they, you know, it's all a good thing to put your fees up, but you add more, more value um, within that. And don't be afraid to walk up the Vicky point that it's going to come back. It is, you know, we are going to see return in that second stock. But I really want to talk about the recruitment process. I was really interested to speak to Vicky about this because, you know, I mentioned it in the in the interview, her favourite swear word question has been discussed um, by us and other guests, you know, more more than once. But you talked about the um, prospecting being extraordinarily high and how you might struggle in that team. They're very unashamedly saying, you've got to be amazing to work here. And I think that not only attracts the best people, but you know, it's very, they're very much aware that they have high standards and mm. they are looking for unicorns, she said, effectively to get to get into that team. So I thought that was really interesting as, you know, she was very kind to detail their, their recruitment process. And it is very, very thorough. It made me embarrassed sitting here thinking, crikey, we've got a lot of work to do. I'm the same. You know, I love the idea of recording a video to get an interview. 
uh, I think that that's something that we're going to implement uh, as soon as possible because mm. that shows that people have courage for starters, whether that's required in your job role or not, if you're unwilling to put yourself out there for a place that you allege you really want to work, do you? So I, I yeah, I, I think that sort of three or four step process um, and having people who are willing to listen, learn and grow. I love that. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, are hugely important. It goes back to the talking about um, their values and, and everything has to be associated with behavior. Everything is about action. Right. So values without behaviors don't equal culture. I'd never heard that before. Um, and I think that that's really, really, really important. And again, that's that's something that I'm taking away from today as you know, a leader that can improve significantly in my own business, right? That we've got a great set of values, but I don't actually think that there's a, a great deal of behavior aligned with them. You know, they're they're more than just words on a wall for us, but they're certainly not as deep and as intrinsic as the way that Vicky described they are for location, location. And the great thing is that means we've all got work to do. Yeah, you know, it's learn like you're gonna live forever. What a great line! Oh yeah, what a great line. We're, interestingly enough, we're putting our we're just trying to design our words to go on the wall, and the, this is a really good timing for me because, as you say, you know, culture without what did you say? What was it culture without behaviors? Just words. Values without behaviors will never be a culture. Yeah, and I think that's really important to remember that you know having those words on the wall is great, but actually your behavior has got to. You know, to you know, got to just back that up. So that's a really important lesson. You mentioned before about stopping and, and listening back. I don't listen back to very many of these episodes, but I'm definitely going to be listening listening back um, to today. And um, the the final thing I want to sort of talk about is her ideas on leadership. She talked about coaching, mm. but I love how she said that her leadership style now is is from the back. And what would she say? Mm. I'll, you know, I'll occasionally you know, come up to the front, regularly stand side by side, but I'm I'm always at the back just in case. I really like that. I think that's, you know, very clear um, sort of leadership style. And you can imagine working within the team, how reassuring that is, you know, to have. Absolutely. And, and that's what you want. You want a leader that's going to go to war with you at the end yeah. of the day. Um, I, I to, to bring this back to where we first started this conversation today, however long ago it was about my daughter, we've got a book here called Way Home for Wolf. And it's about a little wolf that gets lost because uh, he strays off from the pack. Um, but the early parts of that book talk about the, I think it's the oldest is at the back and the strongest is at the front, mm -hmm. um, basically. And Wilf, the little wolfling, wants to lead and they laugh at him because he's a little bit too small and he gets lost and all these cool animals help him find his way home. Uh, it's a really heartening book, right? And uh, the, the moral of that book is that we're all just a handful of friendships from home. So your friends will get you where you need to go at the end of the day. Uh, but it, you know, it is true. You've, you've got to have leaders at both ends and side by side. And I think mm -hmm. I wrote down from that, right? Great leaders show up. You know, you can lead from the front. You have to lead side by side and you need to lead by the back just in case anyone's struggling. You can help pick them up. Mm. What more What more do you want from a boss? Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned about those friendships helping you get home. No, that's uh, from a client's perspective. It's, you know, not necessarily always what you know but who you know those friendships if you give if you give the type of service that Vicky's talked about today then you will get those referrals that's why they're a great business that's why she's able to deliver you know so much so much value for so many clients and continues to do so so um a massive thank you once again to Vicky for joining us and um, a really enjoyable episode uh say I feel like I could have talked for hours and I feel like I could continue um but it is now five past nine time to start our day if you have enjoyed um today's episode please like it share it out on social media reach out to Vicky Sam or I and um, as you know we do this because we love our industry we want to see it get better and improve thank you very much for listening I'm not well he's someone and we'll see you again next week